Channel Attitude subscribers, we will be rolling out an upgrade to our site in the near future to improve site performance and your experience. So sometime within the next few weeks, you will receive an email requesting you to recreate your password for the upgraded site. To ensure this email doesn't go to your spam folder, please whitelist info at channelattitude.com. That's info at channelattitude.com. RSS feed URLs may change for some of you. If that happens, you can grab the new one in your dashboard when the upgrade goes live. Your feedback and suggestions have helped shape this upgrade, so keep those coming in the future. And again, the email is info at channelattitude.com to whitelist or add to your address book. Be on the lookout for that email over the next few weeks. This is Channel Attitude, your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Good evening, everybody. I am Vince Russo, and I am burning the Midnight Earl. I just finished watching an episode of the Attitude Era. It is almost 12 p.m. And since the show is fresh on my mind, I figured, you know what? Let me record it right now. I hope everybody had a great weekend, a great Saturday, a great Sunday. It is back to work tomorrow. So I am getting a jump on the week, man. It's almost 12 o'clock here in Colorado. Like I said, man, I just finished watching The Attitude Era, Season 6, Episode 16, April 20th, 1998. Bro, this was from my backyard, bro. The Nassau Coliseum. Guys, I I, I just got to tell you, man, it's it's not that I wrote this show, Um, I'm talking about just coming at you as a wrestling fan. Um, Because you got to remember, bro, I was a wrestling fan long before I started writing wrestling. And, bro, these shows, um, this one in particular, how anybody can say that wrestling evolved and it's better today and oh my god bro i don't know how anybody can look themselves in the mirror and say today's wrestling whether it be wwe or aew was better than this bro they're not even in the same atmosphere bro they're not even in the same universe bro and like i said man this isn't about me being the author of these shows bro this is really about the effort put into these shows the effort put into these two hours of raw and i gotta say man every week i walk away with JR, man, just being the MVP, man. The way he tied this all together, his emotion, his excitement, 
um, the the keeping the people there at the show with what's coming up next and what they may miss if God forbid they change the channel, bro. I I, I, I was wondering as as I'm watching Jr. here at the top of his game, man. I'm just wondering if it's the same Jr. today on AEW. I don't watch AEW, bro. I'm not gonna waste my time watching AEW. I'm not interested in AEW. And I know JR is a lot older, bro, and he probably just doesn't have the energy. But my God, he is the MVP of this show. Not enough is said about JR. Keeping the people right here tuned into this show rather than to change the channel and see what's going on on Nitro. He is absolutely fabulous, man. As I said, Nassau Coliseum, Union Dale, Long Island. I went there so many times growing up, bro. Uh, Net games, Islander games, so many concerts, bro. It, 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 it no longer exists, but this was a big, big part of my childhood and teenage years. We got JR and Michael Cole on color, and Kevin Kelly is in the cemetery. Remember, last week we we set up a showdown in the cemetery between The Undertaker and uh, Kane, and Kevin Kelly lets us know Taker is on his way. As soon as he arrives, we're going to cut away, bro. We're going to see what's going to go down at this cemetery. From there, bro, we've got Dude Love who comes out on his new set called the Love Shack, bro. It's got a beautiful cardboard uh, bus as a background, lava lamps, bro, plastic furniture, the whole nine yards. They are booing Dude Love immediately, bro. Bro, remember they were cheering Cactus Jack not too long ago. They are booing Dude Love immediately before Dude can say anything. Vince McMahon comes out, and uh, Vince says, I had the opportunity to humiliate and embarrass Stone Cold Steve Austin last week, and you ruined it. Therefore, I am fining you $5,000. So, bro, I don't know if anybody got that joke, but the fact that he's only fining him $5,000 you know, bro, right off the bat, uh, I smell a rat. Uh, even in 1998, bro, $5,000 was not a lot of money. But um, Dude Love says, man, during the whole week, everybody's asking me, why, dude, why? And, uh, you know, Dude said he came down last week in an effort to uh, resolve some peace, love, and understanding. And guys, if you know me, you know I am an Elvis Costello mark, and that is ripped off directly from Elvis Costello. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Oh, what's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? I bet you to this day, Vince McMahon has no idea of that song. Um. And then he 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 he's he's saying Austin turned on him. And he can't understand why, but he thought a lot about it. And he basically said it had to be the chicks, man, because when they were running as a tag team, 
all the hot-looking ladies were coming after him, and the ones that were sporting hair on their upper lip, wearing house coats, very large, heavy-set women, they were the ones going after Steve Austin. So he, he he's claiming Steve is jealous of that. Uh, the groupies, I guess, so to speak, when they were a tag team. That that's that's a different spin and a different approach on that. I bet you a, a mixed wife didn't like that too much. Um, Mick, Mick hated he he hated doing things like that because he didn't want to piss off his wife. You know, I mean, you know, Mick wasn't uh, particularly a ladies' man, to my knowledge, anyway. But uh, anyway, it, it, it gave it a little different bit of a twist. Um, there is going to be a match at the next pay-per-view, and it's going to be Dude Love, and it's going to be Steve Austin. But Dude says that I am going to forget all about the match against Austin as long as he comes down here and apologizes to me before the night is over. So, bro, do you see in this first segment we've already set two things up? Taker is on his way to the gravesite, and um, uh, Dude Love says, I am giving Steve Austin till the end of the night to come out here and apologize to me. Um, and, bro, let me tell you, you know, how, how Dude Love came about, bro, was Mick Foley when he was a teenager. He he played a character called Dude Love, and of course he showed me a tape of Dude Love and him jumping off of buildings. So I pitched the I pitched the idea to Mick of bringing Dude Love to life. But bro, at the end of the day, the beauty of Dude Love was we just created another opponent for Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that that was the beauty of uh you know Dude Love coming into life. Uh, from there, bro, we had a Long Island street fight. We got The Rock. We got D'Lo, Mark Henry, comma, coming through the people with all kinds of weapons. JR is reminding us, man, we've got cameras at the cemetery, man. As soon as Taker shows up, we're going there. What an art, bro, to keeping the people tuned into this show. From there, we have a uh, street fight with Farouk and, and Karma. Now, the nation is being kept at bay from hitting the ring by Sergeant Slaughter and all the referees. You, you'd never see that today, bro. You'd never see that today. We're trying to keep it a fair fight by having the refs and Sergeant Slaughter keeping um, the nation at bay at the top of the ramp. Um, Farouk winds up nailing uh, Kama with his cowboy boot. Then he uh, hits him with a spine buster, and Farouk goes over one, two, three. And, of course, we're setting up a big match, a big six-man tag at the pay-per-view with the nation against uh, Farouk. I think it's a uh, Steve Blackman and um, Ken Shamrock. From there, bro, we go to the back where DX is looking at footage of them pissing on the bikes of um, Skull and Apol, and they point out that while the New Age Outlaws and uh, Sean Wallman were peeing on the bikes, a Triple H was not. 
So, uh, you know, now they're kind of getting on Triple H. Triple H says he is going to make it up to them tonight. Uh, He is going to show his bazooka on live TV. And who knows, bro, maybe I'll even give the people a golden shower. I can't believe we said that on TV, bro. See, now, now that I agree with, I don't think... I don't think you could refer to a golden shower in on in 2023, but we did get away with it there. And Jr. Uh, can't believe what Triple H is uh, is daring to do tonight. Uh, he says, "Is Helmsley going to expose himself and urinate on the crowd?" <laughs> okay, bro, that's a little much. That's a little much. But again, bro, the whole idea of this is keeping the people there, especially when there is a show on the other channel. What an art. This was an art form by JR. Unbelievable. From there, DX comes out. JR says, I'm afraid of what we're going to see. Uh, and he tells the parents, you might want to put your kids to bed. However, we do see kids uh, uh, chop crotching, crotch chopping in the crowd. Uh, and then um, JR points out that Triple H is wearing a raincoat. Now, you know what usually is under a raincoat, bro, and that is nothing. Um, Triple H talks about the... Uh, Skull and eight ball, ball, uh, ball. They came, DOA, they came in brash last week, talking trash, and they led, they left with their heads up their ass. Now that you could get away with today, bro. Like, give me, give me a break, bro. Um, again, JR says, you know, parents get your kids out of the room. I don't, what, I don't know what we're about to see here. Uh, Triple H tells the Long Island crowd, don't worry about taking a Sunday drive to a Montauk lighthouse. I went out to Montauk Point many, many, many times when I was on Long Island. Triple H has the tower, and it's brick thick and made for a chick. Yeah, bro, you could probably get away with that today. That is just juvenile talk, bro. It's not pornography or anything else like that. So now Triple H and uh, DX say it's time for a little bit of show and tell. We have the big reveal, and Triple H does indeed have a bazooka full of water and he starts squirting down the crowd, and they are loving it. Uh, LOD and Owen Hart come out to the stage. Sergeant Slaughter comes out and says, guys, there's there's a time and a place for this. And that time and, a, and place is right, right now, tonight, on Long Island. Bro, how many times do you hear me point out with these roars where – they're they're at they're in front of the live crowd, and everything is next week, next week, next week, where you've just totally effed the crowd. If you are sitting in the crowd and they're teasing a match, and now they tell you it's next week, you've effed the crowd. Okay, bro, am I practicing what I'm preaching or what? Because Sergeant Slaughter makes this six man match tonight, and I love the fact, bro, that. 
DX are being the chicken shit heels. And oh, wow, ooh, they're, they're looking forward to the match today against LOD and um, uh, Owen Hart. From there, we have a shot of Vince McMahon in the back. Somebody brings him a, a cup of coffee. Then we go back to the arena, and DX is actually getting into it with some New York Jets uh, who are in the front row. So, you know, bro, you got the taker hook going on. You got the dude love uh, um, Austin hook. Um you got this six man coming up. You got the Vince McMahon encounter with Austin. There's so much coming up. This is what I'm telling you, bro. This is how you keep an audience. There's an art to writing it. There's an art to the announcer selling it. There is an art to the way that the show is formatted, bro. This is what's missing today. From there, bro, we have the headbanger. We have headbanger Mosh against Dan Severn. And again, bro, this is a follow-up of what happened a couple of weeks ago when Severn laid out the headbangers. We are following up. Uh, we go, we, we hear uh, that Taker is only a few minutes away from the cemetery, bro. We are keeping the audience there during this match because Mosh and uh, Dan Severn, we've just introduced Dan Severn and this could be a, um, this could be a channel changer, bro. So we are finding out that takers just a few minutes from the cemetery. As soon as he gets there, as soon as something goes down, we're going to go there, bro. Severn was a wrestling machine, bro. And uh, Mosh was a pretty good amateur wrestler as well. So this was a, uh, this was really a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, technical match. And then we find out that Taker has arrived. We go to Kevin Kelly, who's at the cemetery, goes, something has happened at the cemetery. Something's going on. We don't know what's going on. Severn taps out Mosh. We go back to the cemetery, bro, and Taker is attacking Kevin Kelly where are they? Where did you, where did they go? Tell me, where are they? We go to commercial break. We come back and Kevin Kelly tells us that Taker is on his way to the arena. Gosh, bro, I, I'm just hoping everybody can see how such an effort is made to hook the audience and not lose the audience, bro, from, from the way it's written and formatted to, to the announcers, bro. Just, wow. You, you just don't see this today, bro. And, and nobody can tell me that it's better. You can't. This was a lot of hard work. From there, bro, we go to Goldust and Luna, and Luna calls out Sable, and she is just painting the picture of stripping St Sable down naked at the pay-per-view. I will strip you naked, including your bra and panties. This was a very, very scary Luna uh, promo. 
From there, bro, Bradshaw comes out. And we have the match between Goldust and Bradshaw. Bro, I remember, man, I can remember agonizing over this match on this show. Because I didn't think anybody would care about a Bradshaw and Goldust. It was a cold match. And I remember, man, I was agonizing. I did not want to book this match on the show. Um, and then we did a little thing with the uh, Kyan tie, um, you know, at the end of the match. During the match, JR is talking again about the evening gown match with derived from the tuxedo match. It was not written as a bra and panties match, bro. Remember, we set it up with the the award ceremony. Uh, from there, uh, the kamikazes uh, hit. But prior to that, you know, again, uh, uh, JR is selling. Austin is on his way to the arena. Um, and then he even says, man, what if Austin and Undertaker show up at the same time? Neither one of these guys are in a good mood tonight. So JR's painting that picture. Uh, Kamikazes hit the ring. Uh, and again, they, they, they would be Kayantai. Uh, you talk about stereotypical, I mean, Kamikazes. Um, and then we have Austin arriving at the, um, at the building. Austin comes out. Austin says it was a conspiracy between Vince McMahon and dude love. He smells a rat. There's no question about it. And he promises before the show is over, I will get my hands on both Vince McMahon and dude love. I popped a little bit, bro, because at the end of the segment, uh, Austin went over a WWF magazine photographer, Tom Buchanan, uh, and Tom sold it like an absolute champ. So a little shout out there to uh, Tom Buchanan. From there, bro, was Flash Funk and Terry Funk against the new Midnight Express. Jim Cornette on color. I had a I had a pop on this one, bro, because there was a move where Flash Funk went over the top rope and uh, took out. The Midnight Express, you had to hear J.R. and Cornette sell this move as death-defying, bro. Death-defying. Like, we had never seen anything like that back in 1998. And it was simply uh, Funk going over the top rope to take out two guys. And it was death-defying back then. Scorpio goes over. But then the Beast and Severn get some heat on Scorpion. Um, my God, bro. JR is selling. Austin is looking for McMahon. Uh, Taker is on his way to the building. We see a hearse show up. And up next, Sable. I, I don't, bro, other than laziness. Somebody has to explain to me what you're feeling with this show, bro, is there is a sense of urgency. This is musty. You got to see this, bro. If you don't watch this, you're going to miss something. This is a sense of urgency. I don't know why there's no sense of urgency today. I do not know. 
Um, from there, we come back. Val Venus is in shower with a couple of girls. And he says when Val Venus comes, uh, there will be no stopping him. So again now, bro, this is like three or four weeks of Val Venus buildup. From there, we have Sable come out in an evening gown. Um, and she talks about public humiliation. She says, does this body look like it could humiliate me? And then Sable ends up saying, I could care less if I'm wearing anything or nothing at all. I am going to kick Luna's ass. So again, bro, just painting the picture, leaving it to the imagination of uh Sable being stripped naked in the middle of the ring at the pay-per-view. Uh, from there, bro, we have, we, it is revealed that Paul Bearer and Kane are in the hearse. And Paul Bearer is telling them, open up the back, open up the back, open up the back. Uh, we then go to uh, Michael Cole with Vince McMahon and, and he asks him about Austin. And Vince says, I was, I was ready for Stone Cold Steve Austin last week, and I will be ready for Stone Cold Steve Austin this week. From there, bro, we have the six-man tag, LOD and Owen against um, New Age Outlaws and Hunter. Uh, Animal has the match won, but but uh, China grabs Sonny on the outside, which causes the distraction and... Uh, Animal takes a chair shot to the back, and then uh, Billy Gunn pile drives Animal. They get the ref back in the ring, and DX wins the match. One, two, three. From there, bro, we go to Paul Bearer and Kane, uh, and we find out that they have dug up the graves of Kane and Undertaker's mother and father. You see, bro, these are stories, bro. These are stories, not I'm a wrestler and I want to wrestle you because I'm better than you. These stories go a little further than that. Um, from there, man, we have Paul Bearer and Kane on the stage. They got the caskets out on the stage. Paul Bearer is all disheveled and dirty because the idea was that they were digging up these canes. And he tells a story about Taker not being able to attend the parents' funeral. So him and Kane Kane decided to dig them, dig up mommy and daddy so Undertaker could have his own little funeral. From there, we hear the bong, and um, Taker is in the house. As he's making his way to the stage, Kane pours gas on one of the caskets and sets it on fire. And then Kane chokeslams the Undertaker right into his mother's casket. Bones are in the casket. They got some cutaway shots of, uh, you know, just worms and you know you could tell those were all added in post and whatnot but but you get the idea and you know jr really selling this michael cole really selling this a hideous hideous act uh michael cole says the remains are being taken care of and taker is with the remains as we speak and i will never ever forget the look on the Undertaker's face. Remember, bro, all of this is leading to a pay-per-view 
this Sunday. This is a build, bro. This is a build. From there, we have Vince McMahon out. He is going to sit ringside for Steve Blackman and Dude Love. Uh, He is saying that uh, last week, Dude Love actually saved Steve Austin. So Vince's claim is that Austin and Mick Foley or Dude Love are in cahoots. That's That's what Vince is claiming. But uh, Vince says, bro, that this Sunday he guarantees that something catastrophic will happen or your money back. And they're talking about Vince being at ringside for the main event. They're talking about maybe Dave Hebner being the referee. What they're trying to do, bro, is they're trying to paint the picture of the Montreal screw job happening again. Yeah, Vince says, I will be ringside during the title match. From there, bro, uh, <laughs> Dude Love gets um, Steve Blackman in the abdominal stretch, and out of nowhere, the bell rings. Very, very reminiscent, bro, of the Montreal screw job. Are they going to screw Austin at the pay-per-view? Blackman is bullshit. He... uh he throws um, uh, um, Mark Yeaton, the timekeeper, to the floor. Meanwhile, Austin hits the ring. Austin gets on dude. Then Austin grabs Vince and throws Vince to the floor. Um, Austin's getting on Vince. Then he gets back in the ring on dude. Uh, then uh, th- th- then Vince gets in the ring wanting a piece of Austin. Austin gets back in the ring. Patterson and Briscoe try to get in front of Vince. Of course, he stuns the both of them. Uh, Dude Love hits the ring again. Him and Austin are going at it. We are hot, bro, going into the pay-per-view. Going into a pay-per-view, bro, this show had everything you want, everything that would entice Somebody, you know, back then, you know, you had to pay you 50 bucks for the pay-per-view, whatever it was. But there were so many things on this show, bro, is, uh, you know, you, from the Inferno match, bro, from, um, you know, uh, you know, is McMahon going to screw Austin the way he screwed Brett? Um, you know, Sable and Lunar, is Sable going to be stripped? I mean, there's just... So much going into this show. And, bro, it's it, it's amazing because when Vince is on color, you know, in, in so many creative ways, all Vince is trying to do is sell the pay-per-view. And he's selling the pay-per-view, bro, telling you all these things that could happen. Bro, you ever hear Tony Khan sell a pay-per-view? How he sells a pay-per-view is telling you how great every match is going to be. Vince is doing it totally different here, bro, creatively. You know, the Inferno match, somebody's going to be set on fire. You know, is Sable going to be stripped naked? Is he going to screw Austin the way he screwed Bret Hart? It's not that, oh, bro, these are going to be great matches when so-and-so meets so-and-so. Oh, my God, bro. Listen, man, like I said, it has nothing to do with me writing these shows. And anybody who's going to sit there and tell me that what you're seeing today is better than this. 
bro, you are out of your freaking mind, man. Guys, check it out on Peacock. Season 6, episode 16, April 20th, 1998. I will see you in two weeks, man.